1: From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them.
0: We are now certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community, we are learning to live our best lives by telling one courageous story at a time.
1: It takes courage to share these journeys and by talking about them and sharing personal stories of real people, we aim to destigmatize the process. Join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness.
0: Hi everyone, on this episode, we sit down with Dr. Amy Shaw, a double board certified MD and wellness expert specializing in food allergies, gut health, and hormones. She graduated magna cum laude from Cornell University's world-renowned School of Nutrition and then went on to receive her MD with distinction. With training from Cornell, Harvard, and Columbia, she helps busy people transform their health using cutting-edge nutritional and medical science. She is also a well known expert on intermittent fasting for women. And you may have seen Dr. Shaw featured across many media outlets such as Mind Body Green, The Dr. Oz Show, and Vogue, to name a few.
1: Throughout the episode, we explore the benefits of intermittent fasting, how to tap into the body's natural rhythms, and how women can eat for optimal energy and hormone function. Dr. Shaw shares her expertise on fasting safely and using circadian fasting as a tool for optimal health and longevity. She also gives some great thoughts to our listeners on what it takes to really build a strong immune system. We love chatting with Dr. Amy, and we hope you enjoy the episode as much as we did.
0: This episode is brought to you by Beekeepers Naturals. If you listen to our episode with founder Carly Stein, then you already know how powerful Beekeepers Naturals products are. Beekeepers Naturals is a wellness company specializing in innovative nutraceuticals made from healing hive compounds and plant-based ingredients. Their mission is to improve people's health naturally and save the bees. Allie and I are absolutely obsessed with these products and I've been using them consistently since December when Carly was on the podcast. So
1: Allie, what is your favorite Beekeepers Naturals product? I love the Propolis Throat Spray. I've used it consistently through the year and it's been my immune system's secret weapon, which makes sense since propolis is basically the immune system of the beehive and has germ fighting properties. What about you? I love the propolis too,
0: especially as somebody who always had strep throat and throat infections. It has seriously changed my entire life. (laughs) But with that said, my favorite product is the Be Chill Hemp Honey. Be Chill Hemp Honey delivers a powerful 28 milligrams of hemp oil per teaspoon so that you can find your bliss. Made with USA grown hemp, it is non-psychoactive and contains 0% THC. I sleep like a baby when I take it before bed and it seriously takes the edge off of my whole day. It also hits the spot when I'm craving something sweet after dinner, which is just an added bonus.
1: If you want to try the Propolis or the Beachel Hemp Honey or any of the other amazing products, you can receive 15% off your Beekeepers Naturals order by using the code Courageous Wellness, all one word at checkout, or visit beekeepersnaturals.com slash Courageous Wellness. And you can also find the direct link in our show notes. We have
0: an exciting new discount for our listeners with Four Sigmatic.
1: Erica uses the Lion's Mane in her morning superfood coffee. And even though I hate mushrooms, I absolutely love the products, especially the matcha latte powder, which contains my mushrooms and adaptogens. For 10% off Four Sigmatic products, visit foursigmatic.com and use the code COURAGEOUS at checkout. And there's also a direct link in our show notes. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Shaw. Thanks so much for having me. So, to get started, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your personal journey um, as a physician and then also what led you, what in your journey led you to the type of work you currently do?
2: Yeah, you know. I always was interested in nutrition, and I studied nutrition undergraduate at Cornell. And I thought, what better way to put nutrition and food as medicine together than to go to medical school? But what I didn't realize is what we all know now is that there's not a lot, whole lot of food as medicine in um, traditional medical school right now. Um, so, and things are changing, but at least when I went to medical school, uh, that was not the case. And so I came out and I was practicing medicine just a couple years after my specialty training and my research and all that stuff. And I started to have my own little hormonal gut health crisis where um, I didn't know why I was so tired. I had all this bloating and these food sensitivities that I never had before. And I was feeling like my hormones were just so off because every time it would be PMS, it would be so exaggerated. Um, I would have like a full week or more of fatigue and symptoms. And I knew something was wrong. And I kept trying to get answers. I kept asking my primary care, like, hey, you know, something is off. I don't feel well. And they couldn't give me any answers. And then I asked my OBGYN because I had just had you know two kids and my youngest was 2 years old so i thought well should be out of the stage of you know postpartum they said nothing was wrong i had blood work run that was normal so then i was like there's something off and nobody really knows what it is so i started to do my own research and that really started my own journey because more i talked to other people and my patients i felt like women all around me were Experiencing all or some of these symptoms, especially the fatigue and the hormonal imbalance, the gut health issues, and um, that's how I started my own personal wellness journey. Because I said, "Well, maybe there's something to do besides, you know, just look at labs and go to the doctor and be told that you're normal." And so. That's when I started to change my diet and experiment on myself to see if I could make any changes. Um, That's when I changed my lifestyle and I, you know, played around with intermittent fasting. And, you know, of course, as with anything, there's lots of failures. And I tried like everything under the sun, keto and vegan and, um, you know, like every diet. um, And I realized that there was some commonalities that seemed to help me and seemed to help others. And then I started to tell people, and this is how my whole journey started. Um, And that's where I am today, really, is like perfecting kind of an individual plan for women and mostly women um, to kind of balance that hormone gut immune trifecta, um, to get more energy, to live a better life so that you have and you have energy and focus and um, health now, but you also are preventing disease later.
0: I I love that, and I'm so fascinated with gut health. I've I've, it's just I find it so fascinating and so interesting because it really is the start of so much. Um, but I'm curious too. So as you were changing your diet and you said there are commonalities between all of them that led to where you are now what was your diet like before was it like a standard american diet or
2: what 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 was your diet like before this journey yeah you know i thought i was really healthy okay but when i looked at it i realized that i was eating a lot of processed food and really barely any vegetables so what i th- thought is okay I would have like granola or something healthy, like a smoothie. Um, And then I would have um, a maybe lunch out with my colleagues or, and I, when I looked at it, I looked at, oh my God, look at how much sugar I'm consuming, even though it's healthy things like granola and frozen yogurt and, you know, that kind of thing. And then I noticed that even though I was saying that I I eat tons of fruits and vegetables, I realized that for me, it was literally just fruit um, that I was taking in and usually high sugar fruits um, as like tropical fruits, pineapple and mango. And I really wasn't eating vegetables at all. You know, once in a while, if they happen to be in my burrito or, um, but I wasn't like consciously eating vegetables like six to eight servings what is what I recommend now. Um, so I saw a lot of hidden sugar and I saw very few vegetables. You
1: know, it's interesting hearing your personal story because you have a background in nutrition. And I think what this sheds light on is how easy it is to have all that hidden sugar um, even for an expert, right? Like all that hidden sugar that can sneak into our diet, even in like the quote unquote healthy things. Um, and so it it just sheds light on that for perhaps the average person who's really trying to make strides in, in their nutrition, in their health on a day-to-day basis, how um, kind of sneaky and challenging that can be sometimes, even when you think you're making healthy, healthful decisions, that sometimes they're having the opposite effect in the system. Um, And even someone with your expertise went through so much trial and error. I think that's actually really encouraging for a lot of people because I think it can be a frustrating process. Um, So I'm really happy to share this story um, with our listeners so that, you know, because I think it can be, as you were saying, you were experiencing all these symptoms, it can be discouraging if someone is going through something like that.
2: Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times we get bogged down in the weeds, in the weeds of, um, oh, what type of almond milk and like which shake. And I I realized that what was happening to me is what happens to a lot of people is that we forget the big picture. The big picture is keep your sugar low and your vegetables high. For example, for me, those two seem to be the big needle movers. And it may be for a lot of people. And um, what I don't want people to get bogged down on is like okay but what is this honey better or is this almond milk better and like we kind of get lost in these details and we miss and then you look at your diet and you're like wow all these healthy baked goods and healthy um you know chia seed puddings and all these parfaits and all the stuff that's really healthy adds up to a ton of sugar and not a whole lot of fiber
0: Yeah, that's, it's, it is, it's so, it is so interesting. And I've definitely, I think, especially lately have been realizing too, like where the sneaky sort of items are or where I'm lacking because it can, it's, it's so, I think it becomes more difficult too, when you're a little bit out of your routine and your normal, maybe way of life to, um, to think about all the things you need to do to be Nutritious and it can really sneak up on you, Um, which is why I think intermittent fasting is so interesting because I think it's one way, even when you're out of a routine, to kind of keep a routine, right? Because it is this window of eating of sorts. So, can you talk to us too about intermittent fasting and how you really discovered it and why it's really worked for you and you recommend it?
2: Great question. Intermittent fasting. The research um, of late, in the last you know five to ten years, is just so fascinating. Um, the fact that um, there, it's not just the types of foods you choose; um, it's also how you time it. To me, was like so fascinating because all we ever hear, heard about before that was choosing the right diet or calorie counting or macros and all that stuff. So, thought that was really intriguing. And then when I found out the longevity research, so basically, long story short, there's a there's a clock in every one of our cells. And we kind of time it so that we have some time to clean up and we have some time to create. So for example, imagine you were getting guests to your house all the time, like morning, noon, midnight, middle of the night you would never get a chance to clean up your kitchen. You would never get a chance to deep clean your house. You could not function because you were just like always entertaining these guests. And that's basically what it's like when you're eating all the time, the gut cells and all the cells in your body, really um, so many of those metabolically active cells, like they can't constantly be told to um, have these guests, which is basically like, glucose coming in, and then be told to also clean up and, you know, deep clean. And so you have to understand that there has to be a break. And naturally, over evolutionarily, the break has been dark hours because it makes sense. Like you usually take a big break from food during the dark hours and your body gets a chance to rest and renew kind of like sleep for your brain. You know, you really kind of clean up those cells. And we actually know there is a process that happens called autophagy, which is a deep cleaning of your cells. um, And that ramps up when the body senses that you haven't eaten in a while. And so they say, okay, looks like she's not going to eat for a little bit. So let's go ahead and clean out those Closets and the deep, do the deep cleaning that we haven't done in a while. So that's basically why intermittent fasting is so helpful because when you get that deep cleaning of the cell, cell looks younger, it works better, it's like fresher, it's almost like anti aging for free. So if you're trying to anti age your cells, skin, insides, gut, you have to consider doing this as part of your routine because you're really able to anti-age them. If you look at them under the microscope now, these cells look younger.
1: Thank you for sharing it in that way. I think that's an accessible way to sort of digest, no pun intended, (laughs) the information about intermittent fasting. Because I know that you know, I feel like the 90s messed up everybody. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and our perspective, like you used to hear these stories of like, oh, well, you just have to constantly stoke your metabolism, right? Like you should be eating all these little meals throughout the day. And that's, not the case right like you don't then then it's the the guests that are constantly coming over for dinner and maybe if someone's a certain type of athlete or sort of an abnormal kind of situation they might have a slightly different eating schedule than the average person but um it's it's an interesting and and sort of a accessible way to think about it it makes sense it's very like intuitive when you think about that where it's like our bodies need time to digest to repair to and not constantly be in overdrive in, in working in that way
2: yeah and um the longevity research is really clear they when they looked at animals and they restricted their calories by 30% so mm-hmm. that they're just not constantly eating it, and um, then they found that their lives were lengthened significantly. And that they, they found that if you actually restricted their calories and then restricted the time, it's even more amazing results. So that's that, it's just so interesting. The science coming out is just fascinating.
1: How would you speak to women who are interested in um, dappling with intermittent fasting or maybe starting it for the first time. But there is, you know, I, I know I've read, you know, there's so much information to try to weed through. And sometimes it's brought up that intermittent fasting can have negative effects on hormones. And since you're also an expert on women's health and, and the hormonal cycles, um, can you speak to to that aspect and if it's, how to know if it's right for you or how to start it maybe?
2: Great question. Um, it's absolutely a stress on your body. So I think of intermittent fasting the way you would think of a tough workout, um, a hit workout. It is a hormetic stressor. So what you do is you give your body a slight bit of stress. And so in response, it builds a better metabolism. So for example, if you are lifting weights and you create a little bit of stress on those muscles, in response, those muscles kind of overcompensate and get ready for it the next time you're going to give it that stress. So they get stronger. Um, And that's how intermittent fasting works. That is why it can pose a problem. If your hormones are already stressed, then if you are someone who is living a crazy life, um, not eating very much, which is also a stress, right? Like low calorie, you are um, you know, doing other things that are uh, causing high cortisol. Um, adding a, an intermittent fast is going to be too much stress for your body. And you're not going to get the response, the adaptive response that you want. So first things first, I want people to realize that everybody's different. Some people jump right into 16-8 fasting, which means 16 hours of fasting, and eight hours of eating, and they do that every day and they're fine. But for many women, uh, because we live in a high stress society, we already have a lot of cortisol bursts throughout the day with our workouts, with our work Um, With our traffic and commute, you know whatever it is, we have a lot of stress in our lives baseline already. And you have to be careful that you start kind of easy and see how your body adapts to it, and then move up from there. So what I've um uh, seen in women is that start something like twelve hours, like something from seven p.m. to seven a.m., something really not too stressful for the body, maybe a slight stretch from what you would, um, you know, be eating otherwise. So studies show that most Americans eat you know upwards of 15 16 hours a day. So even fasting for 12 hours is is a a little bit of a stretch but not so bad. And once you get used to that, then you start to push it a little bit higher. But jumping into a 16 8 fasting on a daily basis for a lot of women is going to exacerbate this hormonal imbalance.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. And so I'm I'm so curious too because you know, for what is your fasting window too? I'm curious of like, what are you doing now? I think, but also is it safe on that to do every single day? Like if, if you find that you're adapting well to it, can you do a 16, eight every single day? Or is it like still that high intensity workout where maybe you do that? three or four days a week and then take a couple days off. Um, Just curious on that as well. And I'm just so interested and curious what
2: your fasting window is now that you've been doing it for for so long. Yeah. You know, that's really, it's so personal. I think some women just jump right into it and they're just fine. It's kind of like, training for a marathon everyone's so different like some people can run six miles a first day and they're like fine other people we're like injured for a week after running our first six miles so that's the same way you're training your metabolism you're training your body so you gotta start easy and then up it as you go so what i actually do is something that may be really interesting to women is that i kind of decide my fasting based on what part of my cycle i'm on so day one of uh, well like not day one but probably day two or three of my period um that's the beginning of our cycle that's when i start my fasting my like more aggressive fast so i might do 16 eight um three days a week that's kind of like you know uh what i like to do i pick three days and the other days i do a little less like 12 to 14 okay and so those, that's kind of as aggressive as I get. Um, I also throw in one dinner-to-dinner fast once a month during um, at some point during that first two weeks of my cycle, okay? And then my second two weeks of the cycle, I kind of wind it down a little bit. And the week before my period, I often do only 12 hours or no fasting at all um, because we are just much less stress resilient that week before your period. And you really want to tone down your hit high intensity workouts, your high intensity, uh, whatever high intensity means for you, obviously, your high intensity fasting and um, let your body kind of um, have a lot more kind of self-care. Maybe it's like a long nature walk. Maybe it's just like a very short fast or no fast. And that's kind of how I do it. So it's like, Every month um, looks a little bit different because I usually try to ramp it up and try something a little more aggressive during the first two weeks. And then definitely the week before the period, I really wind it down. I love that. I think it's so
0: great to just for any women listening to the, this, again, like we're all so different. So it is about really experimenting and learning what works well for you. And that intermittent fasting can be this great tool that works for everyone, but it might work for everyone a little bit differently. Right. Then. And I think that's, I always find that really, um, neat that, you know, it, life isn't one size fits all, but I love intermittent fasting. And I, I even have, um, I have a 50 pound weight loss journey and it stems from like self-love. So I wasn't really thinking about it and I lost a lot of weight. It's in other episodes, different story. Mm -hmm. But as I look back, I think i I was naturally like when I learned about intermittent fasting, I was like, Oh, I do this. You know, like I had naturally been eating for the most part I might've started around 11 or 12 and finished eating like around like six, almost every, like, that's just like how I have functioned for a very long time. And so I realized when I was researching and learning for the first time about intermittent fasting, it's like, I think I was kind of doing that as well during my weight loss journey. I just didn't have a name for it, you know? And I didn't think anything of it because that's just how I I liked to eat. <laughs> I'm an early, I like to. I like to eat dinner really early. The early
1: bird special. Yeah. <laughs> like my,
0: my husband and I are like grandparents. We, we eat yeah. pretty early.
1: Um, no, it's just, it's so interesting. So I'm curious, you're talking, you know, a lot about cycles, right? The circadian cycle, fasting with that, and the, um, in our hormonal monthly cycle as well. Um, if... Women are sort of detached from these natural aspects of rhythm right that like exist in our life are there are there any ways that you would suggest um, for someone to tune into that if they want to become more in touch with like you know sleeping better? I mean it's all everything is affected by these cycles, right? but like if someone has been kind of running, running, running as you were describing a crazy, crazy life, what would be the first? Step that you would suggest in really trying to get in touch with our body, our mind, whatever that may be before jumping into fasting?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I love, um, Erica, that you talked about self-love. I think that's a huge part of a person's wellness health journey is really um, not beating yourself up, getting out of that diet culture, getting out. We're so lost um, and In out of touch with our own bodies, um, that we use these, you know, you use a bunch of coffee and caffeine to wake up and a bunch of wine to wind down. And then you're really not even sure what your body's telling you anymore, because you're just using these external, um, you know, things uh, to keep you going. So that's one thing is, okay, first start is start sleeping more. And if somebody was like, hey, you know, what's the ideal hours to sleep? And I would say, 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. is circadian rhythm-wise, that would be ideal. Now, of course, that's so crazy off the mark for some people, and other people are like, "Oh yeah, I do that totally. I do do that anyways," Um, or it's not such a big switch. And so what that means is, is that um, you know a couple hours before bed you would stop eating maybe like two to three hours before bed. Um, you So that's why I gave you that seven o'clock, ending your meals at seven or 8 p.m., okay? And then even earlier, if you can, like you were saying, I mean, the earlier the better, right? That's extending your fasting window a little bit. And then um, you go to sleep, um, get a good eight hours of sleep or even you know seven to nine hours of sleep, I would say. And then wake up at six, get some sunlight, Before you jump to your caffeine, you know, you'll notice that your need for instant caffeine just goes down when you're following circadian rhythms, um, because then you say, okay, if I don't have sunlight, that's fine. I get some. It doesn't have to be like bright sun; just has to be daylight. That's all you really need. And if you can be outside for a few minutes in the morning, just to get that directly into your eyes and your skin, that's amazing. Like 20 minutes before 10 a.m. is like what I recommend. And then. you know, you start your day, you start to get in touch with your own body's rhythms. And you that's the daily rhythm. And then the monthly rhythm, what I tell people is so easy. You don't need an app. You don't need, you know, all you need is your phone and your calendar. And the first day of your period is day one. And then you, if you have regular cycles, you can just calculate 28 days from there, 28, 29, 30. That's kind of like, Um, you know, typical, and you mark it on for the next month. So you kind of have that cycle ready. Um, So you can say, okay, this is day one. So maybe as I get my energy back in next day or two, I'm going to start my fasting. And then you know, okay, wait, it's a week before my period. No wonder I'm so tired. No wonder I'm not able to fast or do my workouts as much. Like I need to give myself a little break. Need to do more nature time, massage, like self-care and um, kind of modulate it that way. Now, if you're someone who doesn't have cycles or um, doesn't, you can still have a cyclic pattern like that, but you'll just have to base it more on a calendar rather than your own, um, you know, cycle symptoms. Um, you'll just say, okay, i 'm going to do the first two weeks pretty aggressive, and then the third week is kind of in between, and the last week is wind down okay,
1: thank you. I think that's also a really sort of simplified thing that someone can start with. Like, just look at your calendar mm-hmm. i it's funny for me. I know this is a little crazy i'm sure this actually happens plenty, but I have synced up to the moon cycle, so now I can literally just say like when 's the full moon oh when 's the new moon and like know my own cycle, which is pretty amazing um, from that. It's, it's kind of wild, but it's been that way for like a year now. <laughs> so that's women, great. Women's bodies are pretty amazing.
0: We wanted to take a quick moment away from this episode to share an exciting new discount code we have with Energy Bits. Energy Bits is a company that sells bits of whole food, edible algae, spirulina and chlorella for vitality, immunity, energy, recovery, beauty, and more. Energy Bits are sustainable, non-GMO, and provide pure, safe, protein-packed, plant-based nutrition from real food. Everything from the company is consciously and sustainably sourced, and they only sell the highest quality spirulina and chlorella. This edible algae is also the most alkaline and nutrient-dense food in the world and is used by professional athletes and wellness enthusiasts alike. These little bits pack a major punch.
1: Erica and I are currently taking Energy Bits daily, blended into our smoothies, mixed into a dairy-free yogurt bowl, or taken individually as tablets with our other daily superfood supplements. We both have been using the Vitality Bits specifically to boost our immune system and overall health. Vitality bits are 50% chlorella and 50% spirulina and it is really unmatched in its nutrient profile. I also really love the beauty bits which promote glowing skin, better energy, and total beauty from the inside out. If you want to try energy bits, you can save 20% on your order when you visit energybits.com and use the code CWpodcast at checkout. Let us know what you think and tag us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness. We know you will love the products as much as we do. You can also check out the direct link in our show notes. Now, back to the episode. I'm curious. Okay, this is sort of like taking, you know, the intermittent fasting talk in a a slightly different turn, but a little bit more towards relevant events right now going on with COVID-19. Can you talk a little bit about the immunity um, benefits and... Um, and what and if you have any suggestions as to what people can be doing to really just sort of up their immunity at this time
2: yeah it's so it's so tempting right guys to grab a supplement or a, a drink or a food that we think is going to boost our immunity it's kind of like saying um, the same Im- analogy of running a marathon it's kind of like saying take this energy drink and you can run better like yeah but if you haven't trained for the marathon it's really not going to do much like you're still going to suck at running right and the same thing is true for immune system you build up your immune system from years of eating well um sleeping well stress control um, getting these, you know, vitamins through the sunlight and uh, through your foods, it, you cannot replace that by any one supplement or food. You just have to do the hard work, and I think that's really hard for people to hear when they're super anxious and they want to be doing everything right. You know, there's little things that you can do, and, and I give you the analogy of the marathon runner because you could give that person the best shoes. You could give them the supplement drink. You could give them sunglasses and the top hat, right? But if that person's not a good runner, they're not a good runner. Like, there's nothing. Yeah, you can do all these little things, um, like supplement the vitamin C, give yourself some zinc, like, you know, make sure your vitamin D levels are good. Like, that's like having the new hat and the new sneakers for the marathoner. Um, But really, the food and the stress control. The sleep um, aspect, the things you've been doing for years and continue to do throughout this uh, situation is what's gonna get you through. So, if you wanted to ask me, like, hey, what would you do? What are you doing differently? I would say the only thing I'm doing differently is I'm making sure I get enough sleep because, you know, as you know, Most of the time when you get sick, it's you're either stressed out or sleep deprived in some situation. So I'm making sure I get enough sleep, even though it's hard. I know it's really hard for me and a lot of people, um, especially if you're listening to the news or all these things that are happening and changing in your environment, you may have some trouble sleeping. So really giving yourself space to unwind and sleep way more than usual. Is um, something that I would highly recommend, um, and I would say that getting some syncing your circadian rhythms, like we talked about, not just fasting, but you know, getting some daylight during the morning times. The more you kind of sync up your hormones, um, it's all like I said, it's all connected. The hormones are connected to your immune system, which are connected to your gut, and they work like together in kind of like a trifecta, and so if you're like, hey, I want to improve my immunity, improve your gut and improve your hormones and automatically your immune system is going to be boosted. Thank you. I think that's so great too
0: because everything you just mentioned is like free. (laughs) You know, it's like sleep. (laughs) Yeah. Even, you know, like reducing your stress to the best of your ability. Maybe that's movement, it's sunlight, right? And then just continue. And we all know, of course, that eating healthy foods Makes you healthier, right? So, and yeah, I love that. I think that's it's kind of like how one unhealthy meal doesn't make you unhealthy, one healthy meal doesn't make you healthy. So, it is this muscle that we have to. Continue to build for anybody though who is listening, and they're like, "Oh snap!" Like I have not been taking care of myself, and now we're in. You know, life has just been crazy, and now I am inside in my house, and I'm feeling the stress. Where do I? Where do I begin if I'm trying to maybe heal my gut a little bit now? Like, are there certain foods that you would recommend um, people start with, or maybe? Um, if they're going grocery shopping, that really will help their gut and their immune system from a food place as well.
2: Yeah, great question. I mean, you can start any day, any time in your life, right? There's no, there's no, um, it's too late or I can't do it. Um, so think about, you know, you can start the journey at any point. So one, one thing that I did back then, and I would recommend anybody um, to do, is really look at your fiber content, um, like through vegetables. And so what I like is to think about it as prebiotic vegetable fiber and probiotic, um, food. So prebiotics are like, um, basically any vegetable is really considered, um, a prebiotic, but, you know, especially onions and garlic and jicama and, um, asparagus and, uh, artichoke. And there's, I mean, basically any, any vegetable, but you want to really include a lot of fibrous vegetables into your diet because that fiber literally feeds the good bacteria in your lower colon. So you cannot get, um, you cannot go um, and just feed your like eat a bunch of fiber from a from a packet and expect that to feed your gut bacteria you want to eat it in foods because our body's really smart and it saves that fiber as like food for your little good gut bacteria there and they're going to grow and thrive on that fiber and you know it's it's because whenever i say prebiotic fiber people ask me like what brand and i'm not talking about a brand it's like um it's just just really inexpensive just go and get the fresh vegetables um and they can be cooked or uh, raw. You know, they're, it's just getting that fiber down. And then uh, probiotics, as you know, is actual bacteria. And again, our bodies are super smart. They're not going to let you just swallow bacteria from a pill. If you swallow bacteria from a pill, it's going to think it's foreign. Like it's you're eating a whole bunch of bad bacteria. It's going to go and kill it. Okay. So you really want to concentrate on food-based probiotics. So kimchi, like kefir, like, um, you know, kombucha, uh, you all these things that have bacteria that actually feed that good gut bacteria. So probiotics, prebiotics, um, and then lower your sugar content.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting, too. I, I love too that you're talking about eating right the prebiotic and probiotic food. Do you then not what do you think of probiotic supplements? because you mentioned, right, like we're putting in that foreign bacteria.
2: Is that something
0: you recommend people take or just stick to the food?
2: You know, I don't think that it should be a blanket um, recommendation to everybody. I think most people can get probiotics through food-based sources and that's the best. There are people who, you know, could benefit from having more bacteria. So this is what I would say. I would say it's kind of like throwing seeds from an airplane and hoping that the farmland underneath will catch those seeds and they will sprout. Like, it's literally like throwing something at it. You know, can I say it's bad for you? Most of the time it's not bad, although there have been a couple of studies that showed that after a person gets over an infection um, that required um, anti, uh, like an antibiotic, Um, that sometimes probiotics actually hinder, like pill-based probiotics actually hinder the growth of their natural microbiota. So even though you'd say, well, nothing, you know, yeah, I'm wasting my money, but maybe there'd be like, you know, a couple of bacteria that might stay. So it, it might just be worth it. But then you look at the research that says that it might block your normal flora from coming back. And that was enough to tell like at least personally i was like you know what i'm not going to take them i'm only going to take them in um in, in food form and when i need it like if i if i need it yeah
1: and you know what erica and i often talk a lot about um, trying to create sort of accessibility and wellness and food affordability we're really passionate about those topics and i just recently started fermenting my own food and you know yes when you buy probiotics they can be quite expensive, but you can make sauerkraut. You can make a ton of it with one um, head of cabbage for like a couple dollars. And um, and that's just like another thing, especially now with all this time, people might be like, well, that's a lot like making, fermenting my own food, but I can't tell you how easy it is and how quick it is. And there's, you know, there's like free YouTube videos and you can um, – check it out. It can be a little bit stinky for anyone listening, but it's Uh. really, I made some really delicious fermented foods and it's, you know, you can experiment with it and you're getting, you're growing natural bacteria in there. I love it.
0: Yeah. Um, so, you know, as we begin to wrap up, we always ask our guests two questions and the first I'm going to give you your own little spin on it. We always ask our guests, you know, what their self-care practices are. And I mean, you're a doctor, you're so busy, you have this very full life. Um, I would love to know what your self-care practices are, but also what do you eat in a day? Cause I think that's so interesting because you have this focus on food and intermittent fasting. I would love, um, I'm so curious and I'm sure Alyssa are, what like a typical day of eating looks like for you as well?
2: Yeah, great question. So self-care to me, um, I I kind of multitask it because um, just like you said, you know, you can't do everything. Um, And you got to pick the things that are the big needle movers for you and what the research has shown. So for me, the big needle movers is circadian fasting. So what I said is stopping your meals a few hours before bed, two to three hours before bed, and then fasting till the next morning. That has been a game changer for me. That's like a self-care routine that I try to do. Then um, getting some sunlight. Nature walks is... Something, especially during this um, quarantine time that I've really taken advantage of, um, because we have that extra few minutes in the morning, really try to go outside, even if it's just for five minutes in my backyard. Um, It can be through your window on busy days. Like that's what I do when I'm usually really busy is like sometimes I'll just take a minute or two in the car and just like reflect, you know, um, before I start my busy day. Um, The other um, self-care routines that I've done is, about at least an hour, if not 90 minutes before bed, I put my phone away. Everybody knows that I'm not gonna reply if it's a text or email um, after about eight o'clock. And the reason I do that is that in the beginning it was really hard. Uh, but then I found it to be soothing. Like it was a way for me to turn off my brain and to maybe read a book or go do my self-care routine with my skincare and uh, really take a little while to wind down, change into, um, you know, my pajamas, spend some time with my kids. I have two kids um, and I love to have some, a little bit downtime with them in the evenings because their bedtime is around that time. And for me, it just brings more connection. It helped me kind of get my, you know, phone addiction under control. And it also gives, makes me feel like, wow, like, Got, I had a little time to reflect, you know, in the day. So, okay. And then the food questions. So what do I eat in a day? Obviously it's super different every day. Um, and it's even more different right now because we're kind of thrown off our schedules, but on a typical day, if I'm fasting. Um, then I will break my fast with usually a deconstructed smoothie. So what I mean by that is that I was doing smoothies for a long time and then I got sick of it. I'm like, I like to eat my food. Um, and I just didn't like, I stopped enjoying it. So right now, currently what I do is like, I have a little pack of nuts, um, or like I put in a bowl and they're almonds and walnuts and pistachios. And then I have a, big bowl of berries, and all mixed berries, uh, blueberries, strawberries, blackberries. And then I have um, some veggies like jicama or um, carrots or celery with hummus. And I kind of just do this like deconstructed smoothie where I, or sometimes it's peanut, you know, almond butter or whatever, but I just kind of have it. So I'm eating all those things separately. And um, usually for me, uh, I have it with a chai, like a um, ch- uh, it, like it because for me, I love something warm in the morning. So I'll have that, and um, that's how I'll break my fast. And I usually won't eat a, like a really big meal until late lunch. I like to have most of my food, the bulk of my food, between 12 and 5 p.m. And because that's when our digestion is strongest not only through eastern medicine ayurveda and chinese medicine both talk about that as being your strong digestion hours but also it makes sense with circadian rhythms um to do kind of eat your food during that time so for lunch i try i try to have vegetables at every meal so in my deconstructed smoothie i have some veggies then in my lunch i'll have some veggies whether it's um, a salad or soup or um whether it's a scramble a sprouted tofu scramble, something that has vegetables in it. And then, um, when I do my dinners, it's something more of the same, really varies for the day. But my basic things are has to have fiber. It has to be low sugar and it has to be, um, plant-based. I like to keep everything plant-based. And then I usually snack on nuts and fruit in the afternoon and, And then by six or seven, I'm pretty much, just like you, Erica, I'm wrapping up my meal and usually end it with some dark chocolate. I'm like a big fiend for chocolate. And that's where I kind of um, have my dark chocolate. I try to save the dark chocolate for the end of the day. And I tell people when I coach people, I say, you know, if if wine does it for you, and you want to have one glass of wine, and it's not the dark chocolate, you could t- totally do that at the end of the day to kind of and cap off your meals. Um, now this is, and I'm kind of giving you the ideal day. So there's t- tons of days where I'll have a baked, a healthy baked good in there somewhere in the afternoon, or like my big time that I really have to watch it is like that 3 to 4 p.m. i tend to besides the nighttime snacking obviously that's an issue for most people i also have like another um like snack so people have to understand that hunger that happens at 3 p.m. and that happens like late at night is often not genuine hunger um it's just like hunger goes in cycles and so just be careful of always trying to say oh let me just like give in to my hunger because it's actually cyclical. If you waited till 4.30, that same hunger is like dissipated and you will find that, try it. Maybe have just like a, like sometimes I'll have like an iced coffee or latte um, and some nuts during that three to 4.30 time and I'll notice, wow, I wasn't really that hungry. It was just that I was like craving something. Um, So that's kind of how I do it. And then of course, if I'm doing a workout I try to do it fasted in the morning as much as possible. If I'm doing a workout, then I I pair my protein one hour after my workout. Um, And so sometimes I'll do like a a protein shake or um, some kind of uh, protein at the end of uh, one hour after, within one hour after my workout. So that's kind of like a typical day for me.
1: Thank you. And then the other question we ask all of our guests is, do you have a book recommendation um, for our listeners? It can be anything from someone who, some, like a resource for someone who wants to get started with intermittent fasting or just something that's meant something to you um, along your own journey.
2: Oh, wow. Um, I just read um, an amazing book and I'm like blanking on the name. Can I look it up really quick? Yeah, of course. Um, uh, because I want to tell you uh, what it is, and he's so amazing because it, anyone who is looking for a motivational book – oh, it's called Can't Hurt Me uh, by David Goggins. Have you guys read that? Haven't read it. No. Okay. So Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. So it's basically kind of like a biography of a man who um, – ended up going to the Marines and really just turned his life around. He was like obese. He went through his own, um, transformational journey, both mindset, really more mindset than body. Um, and he just talks about how he went from the lowest of the low and, and he made it through, you know, training, um, in the military, um, talks about his really, really tough times and how it's really the mind armor that you need. Like When you think you're done, you're not done. Your mind can really push you through to more. I just found it like, wow, we think our lives are tough. We complain about what we, I mean, you hear this guy's journey and he's so inspirational, motivational. And I just found, I came out of that like, I cannot complain about anything. I need to be pushing myself harder on all of the things that I wanna do in my life. Um, and really go for it and there's no time um, to kind of like sit in this complainer zone Um, and so I think it's a really nice you know and he's totally nothing like me he's male and he he trained in the military he's like six foot and like jacked um, you know now but his journey was so relatable like you'll find yourself um, in that journey somewhere so
1: great thank you so much we'll check it out
2: That's so
0: wonderful. Thank you so much again for everything and sharing all your tips. And so if anyone wants to find you, where can they find you on the internet?
2: Yeah, great. My website is amymdwellness.com and my Instagram is at FastingMD.
1: Thank you so much. We really appreciate you chatting with us today. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week.
0: Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch through our website, www.courageouswellnesspodcast.com. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica. And we're Courageous Wellness.